Welcome to Improvement, the podcast show. My name is Ichiro Takahashi, and each week we bring you the person or the message that will help you improve your life. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's begin your journey. In this week's episode, I take a break from self-improvement, so to say, and I dive into the waters of social media. But before I introduce this week's guest, I want to say a few things. And the first is that I am aware I didn't upload an episode last week, and although this should not be an excuse, I'm working on an ebook, and most of my time it's being invested between research and writing. That's number one. And number two, I apologize in advance if my voice doesn't sound as warm as always during this conversation, but I was freezing, it was a cold day. Anyways, with all that said, who's Lucas O'Keefe? Well, he's a 27-year-old social media strategist who focuses on marketing and brand development on TikTok. He is the founder of On The Clock Media and a former school teacher. We talked about how being in front of a class of city students helped him develop his confidence and communication skills, and how being a teacher helped me understand the trends around you people, how his first TikTok video, a seven-second clip sent by his girlfriend of a seal jumping around and a hip-hop track, gave him 2 million views in just 24 hours, while we had just one second, yes, literally just one second, to grab people's attention on social media, the three hours of a good piece of content, what does his average day as a content creator looks like and why starting with a big, big piece of content is the best approach, why giving your first ebook for free could end up being a better idea instead of selling it right away, and so much more. So without further to say, please enjoy. Lucas, welcome to the Improvement Show. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm great. Happy to be here. Awesome. I love that. Man, I thought we could begin talking about your background, and I'll leave to you how much you want to share, but it's true that you are a school teacher, right? Yeah, so I, I know um, definitely something that comes up pretty early when discussing my background, but in terms of social media marketing, marketing and advertising and business, I actually started completely different from all that. And, and I began as a school teacher. It's something I've been doing for the past six years. And I, I teach students of all ages and all subjects, but it actually is what led into me having an interest in social media and discovering, you know, the potential these platforms have. And that's where also my communication skills came from as well. So I started as a teacher, quickly realized that what I enjoy the most is actually the communication of it all. I, am, I don't really like the, you know, class and behavior management and all that kind of stuff. But I really did like the connection and the communication that goes along with the job. So with marketing presenting itself to me, and especially social media marketing, it's something that I was able to take the skills I used and strengthened as a teacher and turn it into my own side, uh, side job originally and now my full profession. I have a couple of follow-up questions. First, I want to know how being a teacher connects, how do you, did you move from being a teacher to, to social media strategist? Yeah, um, well, they do say, I know it's a, it's a bit of a joke with social media, but they do say that if, if you just look at like the trends that are starting with like today's teenagers nowadays, right? So the things that they're interested in and the things that they're, they're doing on their smartphones and whatnot, then it usually shows what is going to become the next big thing in social media in particular. So 
just being a teacher, especially for that age demographic of students, you know, you, you either have to take away their phone if they're not following the rules and they're, they're on their phone in class, or, but you also just have great conversations with the students and you want to find out and take an interest in what, what they're doing in their own lives. So um, I just discovered largely through the app TikTok, uh, that was something that students and Gen Z in, in general, Generation Z, has really taken a shine to. So that was the first social media platform that I really just saw my students looking at. I, I just I heard them talking about it all the time. So eventually, I decided to take a look for myself, and, and it's really where my business was formed from there. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, how old are you, Lucas? I'm I'm 27 years old. Awesome. Well, you're, you're super young, man. <laughs> um, let, let's, let's talk a bit, just uh, for a moment, about communication. You said, you mentioned that you, you like the, the communication skills, right? Being in front of a camera. Again, we were talking previously, um, and you, I, I mentioned that you seem someone who's pretty confident in front of a camera, and I believe that part of that confidence was built being a teacher, right? Because you, you had to be in front of a group, I don't know, 20, 60 young people, right? Um, so could, could you talk a bit about how did you develop this this skill? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I totally agree with you, right? Like um, many people who now know what I'm doing, and first of all, as a teacher, but people who know me now as someone who is running their own marketing agency, and doing these large webinars for big business associations, they'd be very surprised to hear that it's something I do now because I wasn't always a confident speaker. Growing up, I was very quiet, very introverted, and I was the kind of person who would just, you know, freeze up, go completely silent and red, and my face would go red and I would be embarrassed and I wouldn't speak, right? So um, I definitely do think, though, that teaching was my entry point into unlocking my communication skills. And like you said, um, on average, I'm usually in front of a class of 30 students. And right there, it's all eyes, all eyes on me, right? They're looking to me for the lesson. Uh, something else that I've also really fostered as a teacher is, especially with today's youth nowadays, right? You want students to feel like school is going to be valuable. You want them to feel like they have a purpose in going to school. And many teachers, I think, miss that point. They, they just think they're there to instruct and educate and they expect the kids to be on their best behavior. But that's not realistic, right? So, so what I found and something that really worked for me as a teacher was establishing that connection with my students, getting to know them, getting to know their interests, having a conversation like you're two human beings. And from there, I really learned, you know, that's the secret to effective communication, right? Make sure everyone's engaged and wants to be in the room and then teaching can happen after that. And the same goes for marketing and advertising. Definitely. I can relate with, with that blushing side of you. <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when you grow up, like being shy, right? Really quiet is kind of overwhelming being in front of uh, even one person sometimes. So I, I feel you, man. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, what will you say if there was one, by the way, obviously, was the the most influential, I don't know, book, YouTuber, mentor during this transition from quiet Lucas to the teacher, right? The one that was taking care of 
having an engaged group of people, right? Of young people, mm -hmm. right? Um, do you have any type of, and let me reframe this question, right? Do you, did you have any, again, influential book, maybe a mentor, maybe a friend um, that helped you to become this more confident person? Yeah, um, he comes up a lot in name, but uh, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, even he, he's such an interesting person because for years before I, I was even interested in marketing and business, which is his main focus, but some, some also say that a big focus of his is motivational speaking, right? Um, so he's been a huge influence for me in just terms of the things he says about how important it is to be self-aware and to know your skills and your abilities and to just not listen to the criticism and not worry about any kind of critique that's going to come and just work it, work on building your skills and making yourself a better person. So I didn't realize it at the time, but the things he says are so influential and motivational for anybody, right? Not just for anybody in the business industry or business sphere. So discovering his podcast, which is my preferred, I'm a huge podcast fan. So uh, discovering his podcast while largely while driving and commuting was a huge turning point, I think, that got me into uh, speaking in front of the crowd and just communicating my message. Wow. I love that, man. Love that. Lucas, fact check me if I'm wrong, but I read that your first TikTok video went viral and that a seal was involved, which I think is <laughs> Could you talk about that? Yes, yeah. So um, I guess continuing on with the teacher story, um, the way things worked, like I said, I heard about these kids talking about TikTok and this was, a, this was around the time when I had started doing social media marketing as a side business. So, you know, on my time off as a teacher, I, I was just doing kind of generic social media marketing. So just all the platforms, mainly running Facebook and Instagram ads for, bit, for local businesses. But I wanted to do something more. I wanted to try to take coaching and teaching into the business sphere. So what I did notice was all these students talking about TikTok, right? And again, Generation Z students, TikTok is their app, but it, I'm going to mention later how it, I think it is becoming something that all demographics are really enjoying. Um, but I saw my students really enjoying this TikTok app. So I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what all this hype is about. I'm going to look into this and try it out for myself. So I downloaded it and, you know, immediately kind of got caught up in how addicting it can be. But uh, from there, I just, I spent a week I watched the videos on there. I kind of, I focused on the communication style, right? They, they say we need to listen as much as we speak, right? So rather than rushing into making a video and trying to just get my stuff out there, I listened and, and I watched what kind of content was working on the platform. I looked at the quick communication style. And after a week, like you said, I, I received some footage. Um, my girlfriend was in San Diego and on a business trip and she sent me just, just a quick little, um, Instagram story recording of this seal flopping along the beach in San Diego. And then right at the end, it was seven seconds long, right at the end, the seal just does a perfect turn and looks directly and stares down the camera perfectly. So I, I looked at it and I was like, this is funny to watch. This is humorous. Um, but TikTok uses music. TikTok uses quick replayable features. So I found uh, a hip hop music track. I forget which one that that synced up perfectly with this seal flopping on the on the beach it was like to the beat of the seal like on the beach and i uploaded it it was a seven second tiktok video of this seal flopping on the beach to uh, a hip-hop track and like you said in the first 24 hours it got 
2 million views and I had zero followers. Wow. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I just blew up. Like it was, I had never experienced that. Right. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm used to the typical kind of flow of, of notifications when you have a, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand followers on Instagram. But, but this was, this was something else. My phone was just going off every second with, you know, thousands of notifications and new followers flooding in just for one video. I'm, I'm trying to be as empathetic as I can. I can picture yourself looking at your phone and with a huge smile on your face. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> that you might not be able to answer this accurately, but what was going on through your mind in that moment? Yeah, and, and um, definitely the first thing that came to mind was, well, this could be it. This could be my 15, you know, they say 15 minutes of fame, right? I was like, this, this could be my... I'm not even in the video, but uh, this could be the most attention anything I ever create gets because it's getting millions and millions of views and one million is a huge number and I never thought I would have anything I, I create be seen by that many people. So that was what was going through my mind. And shortly after, I realized, well, no, I, I, shouldn't, just, I shouldn't just assume this is 15 minutes of fame. Even though this is just a funny, silly video, there's potential on this platform and I've, I've started to uncrack it. So how can I how can I leverage this and turn this into something more? Do you know at that time anything about the TikTok algorithm or attention hacking, or because I, I know you mentioned that you were doing just some simple Facebook right ads, but about again algorithm and attention hacking, or it was more mostly luck, would you say? Yes, yeah, so. In, in hindsight, now that, I, now that I know quite a bit about the TikTok algorithm, it was luck in the sense that many of the things I did, because to answer your question, no, I didn't know anything about the algorithm back then. But in hindsight, looking back, many of the things I did for that video are the things I advise clients and people I coach and the people I speak to and webinars. I, I advise them to do many of the things I did in that video, but I didn't realize I was putting in a strategy back then. Um, like I said, I, I just, I looked at the trends and I looked at what was already working on the platform and I kind of recreated it, which is what, which is my go-to tip that I think most people should try to do on social media. Right. Yeah, definitely. I agree, man. Um, you talk a lot about short video format and I've been thinking a lot about that. And recently on an interview with Tim Ferriss, Brian Koppelman, the co-creator of the TV show Billions, which is unbelievable, it's amazing, said they were talking about a monologue he wrote for Vincent D'Onofrio, an actor. And he said that you can always cut something to make it better. And that made me think about how can you tell a story in just, let's say 15 seconds, right? And this is going to be a long question, but could you speak to this idea of short video format and then give us some tips on how we can deliver our message or tell our story under these conditions? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this kind of does tie into what worked really well for my, for my video I posted. Um, like I said, mine was seven seconds and, and you gave a great example of 15 seconds. So with these short video formats, whether it's on TikTok or even Instagram, um, IGTV is another exciting, um, you know, opportunity that's been starting to become monetized, which is very interesting. But with, with these short video formats, I absolutely think 15 seconds or less really is that that sweet spot for how long a video should be because you don't want to lose people's attention. And 
the reason why I think short, short form video is so important nowadays is because I think we live in a time of content overload, right? Where, you know, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, there's so many platforms that people can be on, but they can usually only have one open in their app at a time to be looking at. And then within those platforms, there's millions and millions of content getting updated constantly. So for us to stand out and for us to be that video that they're watching or that piece of content that they're going to give their time for, we really have to make sure we are grabbing their attention right away, right? So something that you see very often and working effectively in short form video is just anything that's going to break that person's habit of swiping, right? So people get in like a trance almost, I say, on Instagram and TikTok and other apps where they're just they're just endlessly swiping through the content, right? Like, oh, next, yeah. next. And they, they don't even, it becomes a point where they don't even realize what they're doing, right? Because it's, and I've, I've been there before. I do it all the time. So with short form video and really also images on, on Instagram, you want to be the piece of content that is going to break that cycle of swiping and stop that person. And sit, so they stop and look and say, oh, this is new and exciting. I want to look at this. So some great ways to do that. You'll see many tips, including um, using movement in videos, and that's that's intentional. So many TikTok videos in particular, you see the creator opening up the video by walking already, like or they'll walk right into their washroom and they're they're filming themselves in the mirror, and you can see them in the mirror. That's yeah. intentional, and there's a reason why you see so many TikTok videos doing that. Same with my viral seal video, right? It incorporates movement right away, but people like movement in videos. And it's something that you have to take advantage of with video because I, you know, you can talk about how I'm sure there's a way to incorporate movement in picture and image. You can have like a good flow, but it's very difficult. It's like an art form in its own. So a strength of video content is because it's a video, you can very easily draw upon movement. And if you think about the common person who is, you know, swiping through and consuming content, what are they doing? They're on their couch laying down, or maybe they're, they're commuting to work. So they're just sitting down on a bus seat or they are laying in bed. We're not moving when we look at most social media content. So if we see someone in our video who is moving, it's very appealing to us, right? It kind of creates what we want to be doing for us. And that's something that only video content can do. So movement is huge. I also say it's important to have good lighting, right? And, and you can really tell the difference between a TikTok video that has bad lighting and one that has good lighting because there's just so much more in the frame when you have good lighting with you. And many people on TikTok, they go out and they buy those ring lights off Amazon, like the, the ones that they can put right around their smartphone so it really brightens things up. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and those work, but you, you don't really need it. Like I, I've honestly just been using um, rooms that have big windows and I film during the day. And just from that natural lighting, it really makes a difference in my content. And the reason why that works on short video whether it's TikTok or IGTV, is these new formats, they use the entire vertical of your phone screen, right? Yeah. So if it's like, it's right in your face. YouTube, if we're watching YouTube on mobile, we have to, if we want to get the full effect, we have to turn our phone sideways, which some people do. But for the most part, people are just watching it, holding their phone upright, looking at that full vertical screen. And TikTok and IGTV take advantage of that, which is great, but it also means you as a creator want to use everything in that background. So having great lighting is going to show people everything going on. And, and something I say about video as well, if you're trying to create, like on Instagram, we see this huge movement where people are creating those Instagram carousels, right? Those 10 slide images 
very vibrant images and, and, and telling some cool messages and, and people swipe through the 10 slides and, and kind of get a story. It's very, it's very effective. But on video, you can do that much faster just by using the movements, using the facial expressions and using anything supporting you, the visuals in the background, right? You, you draw on so much more that you can put in a frame when you're, video, when you're recording a video that yeah. just takes a lot of work on image. So that's why I think it's really, it's really effective right now. And I think short form video is leading this movement in terms of communication and um, social media content because people want quickly consumable, digestible content that they can look at, take one quick you know, peek at the video and already know what's going on, which is saving us time. It's getting interest right away. And we're not keeping people's attention for too long. If we, the last thing I'll say is even, even if we have a super exciting TikTok video or IGTV video, if it's too long, you're going to lose people, right? So that's why on TikTok, I say, you can do 60 seconds, but I say use 15 seconds or less because even if it's the most exciting video, if you're trying to get most people to watch it for 40 seconds or more, they're going to lose interest. No matter how good it is, the average person is going to lose interest. So keep it short, keep it to the point, and you can absolutely communicate a message in 15 seconds that many people would take 60 seconds to do. Yeah. Yeah, I have a number of follow-up questions. I want to start by... You mentioned movement, and I'm wondering, is there any type of psychological background that you could add to this idea that, because you also, you also mentioned that since the average, I don't know, like um, consumer, content consumer is like sitting on a couch, right, or whatever, movement adds something for that person to make them keep glued, so to say, right, watching your your. 15, 10 seconds um, video. But again, is any type of scientific background that you could mention? If there is not, no, no big deal, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't really speak to the specifics of it because like you said, I don't have that background, but something very interesting that you just, you just reminded me of in saying that is when I'm looking at, when, when I'm giving people content creation tips for short form video, something that, and I should have mentioned this earlier, In addition to movement, there absolutely is a psychological effect you want to reach for in terms of the colors you're using and also the music you're using. So I absolutely do think music, color, and um, movement do play an effect in gathering that person's attention or, or really communicating your message. And something I will say, it doesn't answer your question on movement, but something that I will add that you reminded me of is you know, TikTok, a huge part of TikTok is that music. It, it started as Musical.ly, right? Which was a music-based platform for lip syncing and stuff. And now it is more people can sync any of these music tracks to the background. When I described my, my breakout viral video, I mentioned, and how I created it, I mentioned how I, I looked for that perfect hip-hop track to go along with the background. And I honestly think the success of that video It's at, I think, 13 million views now. So it continued to do really well after that first 24 hours. But the success of that video is almost entirely because of how the music supported the visual content, right? So an, yeah. example, I, an example I bring up to people when, when I'm advising them on how to make better content for video is I say, okay, let's pretend we have a video clip. Uh, it could be anything, right? It could be someone 
it could be someone just dancing in their living room or whatnot, or walking, walking down, let's say walking down a busy street, right? Um, if you think about like the Joker movie, which came out in the past year, there's that iconic scene where he's like walking down the street and he's walking down the stair, the stairs, but mm. take, take any scene like that and change the music track, right? If it's a rock and roll music track versus a classical music track, right? The yeah. way the music genre that is chosen is entirely going to affect the viewer experience, yeah. right? So yeah. that is absolutely something that we have to factor in. And you, you want to think about your message and what you're trying to communicate and how music can support that or help it de or deliver it more effectively. Yeah, yeah, dude, I agree completely. And that reminds me of, um, this is a small fact about me, but for me, the best movie ever is um, The Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King. Like, uh, I've cried when, uh, on the last scene when they are out of Minas, uh, seated on the white city, right? Mm -hmm. um, the and is giving the speech of death and all that. But the funny thing is that uh, maybe like three weeks ago, I was watching this movie with my girlfriend, but I, there was no music for a moment. I don't know why I was watching it. Like, like is she, we are like on a lockdown, right? So we make some video calls through WhatsApp and she plays the, the, the movie in her laptop. Okay. And I was on my phone, the movie, but you know, the audio for some reason, I, I just wasn't getting the audio. Okay. So there was no music, and dude, for the first time ever, <laughs> I didn't feel feel the 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 need to cry, right? So it's super weird again, and because when you take out the music, so to say, it loses some sort of soul, the passion, right? Then you no longer feel this glory, this vibe inside of your brain. So, dude, I agree hundred percent with what exactly. No, and and that's a perfect example, right? We look at like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, like they have these amazing like orchestra ensembles that are putting together the music, right? It's they, like they win Academy Awards for their music. Like it's, it really does contribute to the effect. And now you're just reminding me of like the most recent Avengers movie. And I, I'm thinking about like the experience you described on the, like the emotion you feel during the Lord of the Rings scene, that final battle battle scene in the recent Avengers movie. I feel the same way and I'm thinking about the music right now and how that definitely plays a big part in it. <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, let me talk briefly uh, or ask you briefly about the three seconds rule. You mentioned that we have just three seconds to get the consumer attention. Yes. Um, so many people say that and, and I've kind of, I've kind of even built on that lately where we used to say, you know, you have three seconds to grab someone's attention. I, I've actually just recently kind of changed that. I think, I think on TikTok especially, um, and even Instagram, I think, I think it's more like one second. So I, I think we have, to, we have to focus on how we can grab attention during the first one second of someone viewing our video or, or our images too, right? And, and that's why I mentioned the, the big, bright, vibrant Instagram posts nowadays. Those are purposely designed so they can grab attention within the first one second. I think TikTok's the same. I think IGTV and even YouTube is the same. As soon as someone opens your video or stumbles upon your video, I think, I don't think you can even waste a second. I think as soon as they see it, you have to be right in there, whether you are speaking right away to get their, get their interest, or you're having something cool and visual on the screen right away. 
Um, you have to incorporate one of those elements to really just break that cycle where they're just swiping onto the next content without realizing it, break that cycle and get them to view your content. So first one second, I would say. One second, man. <laughs> Fast times. <laughs> Dude. Um, okay. So would you say that it goes everything down, for example, on, on YouTube um, or Instagram on your so to say the thumbnail, the first slide, the, the caption, the copy that you have, the headline, so to say, that we had to put all our chips on that. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I didn't even, I didn't even think about that because originally I was going to say, I almost said, well, on YouTube, YouTube, we can give a little bit longer because someone's, someone on YouTube has a different viewer experience. I, I always look at the viewer experience on social media, right? Like, what is someone doing differently or preparing for differently on YouTube versus on Instagram, right? Someone's on their phone versus on their computer or their television, different, different behaviors, right? But so I almost said YouTube, you have a little bit longer, but you, you made an, you made a perfect point that on YouTube, it isn't even about the video grabbing attention. It's like the thumbnail that needs to grab attention right away. And if we say, if someone has a bad thumbnail, right? Like a viewer who's potentially going to watch your video is scanning across this massive, you know, library of different thumbnails, you want to be the one that they stop and go, Oh, that's exactly what I want to watch next. Or now that's piqued my interest. So yes, I, I guess you've just pointed out that it does apply to YouTube, but it applies in the thumbnail. Um, same thing with like articles and headlines, right? We want to see that big headline or that big photo that's going to grab attention. So yeah, it totally does transfer over across all different, all different um, mediums of content and all different social media platforms. Holy shit, man. That means that I'm going to need to create a really clickbaity thumbnail for this interview. <laughs> like, yeah. Why TikTok is dead? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that's, and, that's, and that's why we've seen like clickbait be added to the dictionary, right? It was, I think it was a thing a few years ago where like, they added the word clickbait to the dictionary as an official thing because it's happened. It's, it's such a thing in our culture now, right? It's come yeah. from this, uh, this need to grab attention. Do, do you, do you follow any type of fitness YouTuber or something like that? Um, I, I've watched in for just like workout routines and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. If there is something really common around this niche. So to say it's like the, the, the whole video, <laughs> the, the thumb is like, I bought my dad his favorite car and the picture is a Lambo. And then it's like, but this should happen. And the whole video is like a workout routine. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do. Like nothing. the video is completely different from the thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucas, let me use this next quote as a segue. If you, and, and I'm a quote, if you can create TikTok content that a average viewer will watch until completion or even better, watch multiple times, then the TikTok algorithm is going to favor you. And, uh, and by the way, again, I don't want to turn you into a broken record. I've seen a couple of the interviews you have been on, and I also know that you have like a half a dozen posts talking about the algorithm. <laughs> so what you do is to specifically focus on rewatches and the looping behavior. Could you elaborate around those two concepts? Absolutely. And, and you actually chose the most important part to focus on for the algorithm. So this is perfect. Um, Nice and quickly, the, if we think about the TikTok algorithm's goals, right? It's competing. It's, it's TikTok is one social media platform. It's competing for our attention with Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, 
So the TikTok creators want us to stay on TikTok, right? They don't want us to get losing interest and go into another platform. So when TikTok is looking at trying to decide what content is good, so it can then push it out to more people to watch, when, it, when it's scanning your content or anyone's content to determine if it's good or if it's high quality, it looks at the engagements like Instagram does, but, and those engagements can be likes, comments, uh, shares, and the most important that we're talking about is actually the rewatches or the watch duration. So where that quote came from is the most important metric in determining the success of a TikTok video is the average watch length that it receives. Because this is something you can access at any time. If you have a pro TikTok account, you can see the average watch length of your videos. And a like can just be, you know, someone just double tapped the screen and then moved on. A comment can, you know, they can often be like spam or they're, they're not really as genuine. Uh, and a share, someone can also kind of spam. But a watch, like a view, is the ultimate metric in terms of someone keeping their attention on something, right? Mm. So knowing that the TikTok algorithm does favor above any other metric how long someone is watching your video. And that's why we, we get into that quote of just the more you can encourage people to watch your video, first of all, entirely. So that's why I talk about breaking that cycle of them just swiping past your video. Because if someone just swipes past your video, that's going to be registered as like a less than one second view. And that's going to really bring down your average view duration on that video. But if someone watches the full thing, and then if they watch it again, and in, in a moment, I'll get into some quick ways that people can do that. But if they watch it again, or three times or four times, that's going to really give it super high average watch duration and that's going to tell the tiktok algorithm okay this is a piece of content that is keeping people on our app we need to show it to more people because this is good stuff right mm -hmm. so that's why it should be something that creators aim for it's also why i get into the video length being short if you have a video that's seven seconds to 15 seconds long it is much easier to get a 100 percent view duration than if you have a 60 second video, right? Like I said, even if that 60 second video is amazing quality, super engaging, the average person just isn't gonna give you 60 seconds of their time. They're gonna be on to the next thing, even if they like it, right? And they're definitely not gonna watch it twice. So you wanna keep it short, quickly consumable, because that's gonna really trigger the algorithm and send it out to more people. Um, something, I, something I just tell people in terms of having their content, this type of content that's gonna get people to rewatch it, and share it to their friends, their friends rewatch it, is there's three R's. So there is content that is relatable, right? So if you make content that is relatable, someone's gonna watch your video, they're gonna feel like, oh, that totally applies to my life too. I was just talking to my friend about this the other day. I'm gonna watch this, I'm gonna watch it again, and then I'm gonna send it to that friend, and then we can both joke and comment about how we can relate to this, right? Yeah. So re relatable content has that great human connection that's gonna get people to watch your content and also follow you and whatnot. So that's a great one. The second R is um, reactionary or get a reaction from people with your content. So if you think about my seal video of a seal flopping on the beach, it was funny. It was seven seconds of just humor. It was kind of shocking because personally, I didn't know seals moved that way. I'm, I'm, I live in Canada and I haven't been to San Diego, so I haven't really seen seals outside of the zoo. But uh, I had no idea they moved that way and it was funny. So it was a reaction and it was funny and I watched it multiple times and many people watched it tons of times because it was just humorous. 
Um, they sent it to their friends, right? So it got a reaction. Something I say with reaction though, um, humor isn't the only reaction out there, right? If we think about it, you can, you can have something surprising. You can have something interesting. We see many videos on TikTok that are like really interesting, quick recipes people can make where like you just look at the food and it's so visually depicted that the food looks so good. That's, that's forming a reaction, right? you can you can have a scary movie or like a scary video or like a thrilling video so as long as you trigger any type of emotion it works perfect yeah. exactly right so uh, many people think oh i'm not funny i can't make a tiktok video but you don't have to just draw on humor and then the third one is if it's recreatable so on tiktok we see many of these trends forming and and of course tiktok did start as a dancing app and many people still think it is just for dancing i can i can tell everyone right now i have I'm at about 80,000 TikTok followers and I haven't made a single dancing video. So it just doesn't, you don't have to dance. Um, but that is where it started because dances are such a recreatable thing, right? If someone's doing a dance, someone can watch it and be like, oh, I'm going to learn that and copy it. So, but anything recreatable like challenges or even creating something, that's going to really work on TikTok because people are going to watch it. They're going to watch it again so they can learn how to recreate it and copy it. And then they're going to, again, send it to their friends and say, look what I created. Also, here's the original video. Watch this as well, right? So those are the three ones, uh, relatable content, uh, reaction content, and recreatable content that really gets people to watch your videos over and over again, which you should shoot for. Yeah, definitely. I agree with every single thing that you, you, you say. We will come back at some point to that framework uh, maybe not in this conversation, but for now, let me dig into your creative process. And you can answer this any way you want. But I would love to know, what does your average day as a content creator looks like? Yeah, and, and something I'm, I'm very big on, like many people know me as like the TikTok guy, but I'm actually pretty active on many different social media platforms. And what I do with On The Clock Media is I try to just help people get their message across and, and market themselves as effectively, but also as, as cost efficiently as possible by using the social media platforms that have the most reach. So in order to do that, I rely on a lot of repurposed content, which means I spend a lot of work on, you know, the, the big piece of content at the top of my content funnel, but then I make it smaller and repurpose it downwards for different social media platforms to really get my message across as many ways as I can. So what a typical um, creative process for me would look like or a typical day would look like is I typically start with a big piece of content that is usually going to be a YouTube video. So I recently just started with YouTube, but it's already really taking off very quickly and getting a lot more subscribers than I thought. So, so I really like this, this funnel I'm using. But what I do is I start with a YouTube video that is anywhere from three to 10 minutes long. Very few are 10 minutes, but that would be the longest I would do it just because even on YouTube, we have to be mindful of people's time. Yeah. But I do a three to 10 minute video. And from there, I get into some really big topics or some really quick topics, but I big topics that I discuss quickly, I should say. Um, and from there, whatever that topic is, I repurpose it downwards using that YouTube video. So from that YouTube video, I will then write a blog article mm. that is going to discuss the, the key points that were, in, that were raised in the YouTube video. Yeah. And then I post that to my website on the clock media and I will link the YouTube video. So right there, that's one more way that people might find my YouTube video or find my content. 
from, from there, I take the YouTube video and I use the InShot app on my phone, which is a really great mobile video editing app. It's mostly free, I believe. And I turn it into a vertical IGTV video and I add captions and subtitles. And then I post the, the, either the full YouTube video or just some clips from it, some highlights. Cause again, on Instagram, people are giving less time than YouTube. So I will then post it as an IGTV video. And then I will link back to say, check out my YouTube if you want to see the full thing or if you have questions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's another way. <laughs> then I go on LinkedIn and I will type up a quick, LinkedIn is very conversational. It's like old Facebook, right? So I will type in some keynotes and have some conversation starters about the topic. And I will say, if you would like to watch the full video, check the first comment on this LinkedIn post and you'll see it on YouTube or I'll link my blog article. Then people are finding it there. And then I will even, you know, trim it down really short and put the best 10 seconds as like a TikTok video. So from one YouTube video or one big blog article, I can, I can repurpose it down across like up to six different social media platforms. And that's what really helps me get my message across. But like, like you've said with the interviews you've seen me on, people like to joke that like, Lucas, I see you show up everywhere. Like you're always on every time I open an Instagram live, it's, it's you talking to the, the host, right? So a big strategy of mine has been just use your content wisely, make it, make it work that extra mile for you and show up everywhere and people will get to know you and your message. Yeah, definitely. I agree, man. And, and I believe that it's awesome. The way that you explain how you turn a 10 minutes video, YouTube video, right? Into almost six pieces of content. It's just, dude, I, I love that for real. Um, let me let me ask you any type of roadblocks or and this is a, a combined question. Any type of roadblocks and how do you deal with your with the burnout that you actually we were talking uh, the other day and one of your posts about burning out, right? Um, do you do you well if you deal with that, right? How do you? What's your routine or process, so to say? Yeah, some, something I'm very I'm very aware of recently that that I need to improve on personally. Like I'm, you know, all for setting goals and, and not being too hard on myself with those goals, which is also important. Um, but something I do know that I need to kind of be a little bit better at is my organization. And we see a great a great solution to that is putting together a content calendar, right? So what I do need to do and what I'm working on right now to avoid burnout is just putting together a better content calendar. And it's not something I need to, because I think a content calendar can also be a negative factor if people are, you know, stick to it too strictly, like they're, you know, they like decides what they have to create. I don't like that, but I do like having a rough schedule. So that's something I want to incorporate more, just, just more of a plan because currently on some days, you know, I have a very active mind I find. So sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I just had a great idea for a content. I need to push aside everything else I was going to do and just create this content piece. But ultimately, in the long run, that doesn't serve me very well because then I am getting to just a very loose content creation style. And I ultimately want to have a more unified theme to what I'm doing. So something that I do now, and I'm very excited for because, and I, and I suggest this for, for everybody as well, is to just start with a really big piece of content. We call it a cornerstone content in many different spheres. It mainly comes from blogging, but you start with a huge piece of content. So something like an ebook guide or a video course that you're putting out, just something that you can put all your knowledge in one, in one area into, right? Um, 
And that's going to take some time to create in the, in the beginning, but you're putting all that time in early on to create this thing because it ends up really being the driving factor in your business after. So what I would do, what I, what I'm doing now is I should have done this earlier because many people have asked me for it, but I'm really going back and creating a really comprehensive TikTok guide. It's going to be an ebook that I'm going to release for free. The only thing I'm going to do though, is I'm going to ask people to give me their email so I can put them on my email list. And from there, when I have this guide, I can then easily take chapter by chapter and turn those into smaller, into those small YouTube videos yeah. or turn those into Instagram posts. So in the past, I used to kind of just, you know, one, one topic per day, just kind of randomly choose it. But to avoid, I felt myself feeling burnout coming and I felt myself struggling to keep up that, that habit or that routine. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I'm now going back saying, I should have started like this. I'm going to make this big piece of content. It's going to take some time in the beginning, but ultimately it's going to do really well because then I have weeks and weeks of content I can take out from this big ebook. And then all at the same time, I can promote that ebook with each piece of content to build my mailing list and to build my audience in that way. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And we were talking about that idea of the ebook. So I want to stop really for, for a minute and around this idea of the ebook. First, do you think, because I'm writing one around podcasting and confidence and communication skills, and do you think if you had to advise me, right, that I should wait until I have my ebook complete to start putting all the small content pieces into my social media, or I should right now that I'm writing the ebook, right, start putting the small pieces that I'm at the same time. I'm not sure if does that make sense? Yes, no, it does. Um, and I think that's a great idea for an ebook, right? Like, and, and whether it's podcasting or video, those are the two topics that everyone is very uncomfortable around trying, right? Like everyone can, sorry, I don't want to get too sidetracked from the question, but I love the idea of your ebook because I find so many people I speak to, they say, you know, I'm not comfortable on video or I'm not comfortable speaking, right? But I want to make these types of content. Mm. Although like images and pictures are so easy to hide behind and, and writing blogs are so easy to hide behind because you don't, I don't mean that in a negative way, but because people can, people don't have to, you know, put themselves out on camera or they don't have to put their voice out there. So I think yeah. confidence is huge and practice does get them there, right? Um, I'm sorry. My question to, to be more specific is because I'm, I'm still writing the ebook, right? And, and I mm -hmm. sometimes, well, I am a perfectionist, something that I have to work on. And I, I'm wondering, should I wait until I have this whole ebook written, right? And to start putting small pieces of content out there or should I start being the so to say expert right now and start putting all this knowledge into my account. Yeah. So, and, and I'm absolutely a perfectionist too. So I can definitely speak to that. Um, I, I would say, and what I've learned is I would, tr if, if you're close enough to get it done fairly soon, I, I would keep, you want to keep giving some small bits to your, to your social media following, right? You don't want to lose them while you're waiting, but if you can get that ebook, put together pretty quickly. And, and there are programs out there that will kind of format it for you. Right. Um, if you can get it out, I, I would try to do that sooner than later, just because then you are going to be promoting people back to your ebook all the way through. Right. And that ebook is something that's going to be there and it's going to serve you for many, many years. Right. Because that's a topic that's not really going to change. Podcasting is going to become more important. Um, confidence is always something people need. 
So I really like that because it's what we call evergreen content, right? It never goes out of date. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, I would get that out sooner than later. And this is what I'm doing as well, because then you can, you can use the ebook to promote all your social media platforms and your communication platforms, but it also works the other way where you can take content, take small chunks from the ebook, post it on other social media, and then promote those back to the ebook. So it kind of creates a perfect loop of promotion, right? Definitely. Um, and the other point I want to, to touch upon, you said that you want to, to, to give for free your ebook, right? And I, I, I remember that I replied to that comment. Um, and I say that sometimes if the ebook, I believe this is my opinion, just my opinion, if the ebook holds enough value, you should add some price. But you, you, you say that it's because you have an other type of plan or a strategy, right? Could you elaborate on that idea? Yeah, um, personally for me, since very much my business does lean on the, the coaching and consultation side of things, um, I've found that by giving out my ebook for free, it doesn't, it doesn't kind of push people away from needing my services because like many people say, well, if I give it out for free though, then people are going to just say, I don't need your coaching service anymore. I have your, all your best stuff in a book. But I have found that by putting out the content for free and giving these people this really well-crafted guide, it shows them, oh, wow, this guy does know his stuff. But now that I am using his guide to get started on TikTok or social media, I am now having all these questions that are more personal and more one-to-one. -one. So for me, it has led to an increase in coaching because people like the information I'm putting out and they want more. And it kind of builds trust, right? It builds a connection with them where I become that person they're going to look to. Um, however, I, I think it's different though. If someone is doing a different kind of model where they are focused on developing like strategy plans and actually offering services and marketing, I, I do think they can definitely sell their product. And like you said, it, it is a, it is something that takes time. It's a valuable product. So I don't think all of the, all eBooks and guides should be put out for free just in terms of the, the, the traffic I'm looking to get to my various social media channels. It, it benefits me to put it out for free. Yeah, definitely. That's a keyword traffic, right? Because mm -hmm. it depends what's your goal. If you're going for the money for the traffic, and if you're thinking on some way short term against long term, yeah, I agree with you, man. Lucas, me, me, yep. yeah, tell me, tell me. I'm sorry. So many people go with um, something that works really well is, you know, we constantly have ideas and things are changing. So many people will release like their first ebook or two. Obviously, not like their their perfect one, right? But their first one or two ebooks, they'll release for free and, and build that mailing list and build that community following. And then also they're going to get customer feedback or not customer, but audience feedback from those free guides. And then, and then they kind of make like their complete comprehensive ebook that takes all that feedback and takes everything they've learned and a bit more time. And then they kind of sell it to that same audience. And that works really well, right? Yeah, that's also a good idea, man. Lucas. Is there anything that I should have asked but I didn't? Um, no, I, I think, honestly, I think we've covered all the things and, and then some that I, I didn't even plan to talk about that you kind of helped me um, gear towards and think about. So, no, I, I can't think of anything. Awesome, man. Well, then, in that case, this is my last question. How can you improve yourself every day? I think what we need to do... And, and I really like that question because 
I think things happen so fast now in 2020 and beyond. Just like look, look at look at how January started. Just looking at what's going on in the world right now, right? Mm-hmm. Look at how January started in 2020, and you know, it's about six months in where we are now in January. Very few of us could have predicted this. So many changes, and and I'm sure six months from now there will be even more changes, right? So with how quickly things happen, I do think it's important to learn every day, and I think listening is the best way to do that. Right. So listen, actively listen. So know where to listen. Look at what is in the news. Don't don't believe it too much, but look at why it's in the news. Right. Like why people are communicating in this way, why people are focusing on this certain headline or this story. Look at the why behind something and that's going to help you learn and not just the what or not just trying to speak our own points. Right. Like let's listen to where people are coming from. You mentioned empathy and how that's huge in terms of communication. So just think about why people are communicating a certain way and, and what trends we can find from society to learn from. Definitely. Man, I enjoy so much the conversation, Lucas. Um, is there anything that you want to add before we, we finish? Um, no, just if anyone if anyone does want to reach out or engage with me, they can they can find me on On The Clock Media. Um, pretty pretty unanimous across the board with that name so on the clock media if if anyone wants to check me out on on any of the social media platforms for sure i will add all the links um on the description below so lucas again that's an awesome conversation man 